0: You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show.
1: Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron Dietrich here in the Caldwell Banker Group 1 Realty Studio in beautiful West Monroe alongside from the Washita Citizen,
2: Jake Martin. Good morning, Jake. Good morning, sir. How are you? We made it. It
1: is Friday, I believe.
2: Yes. Can confirm it is Friday.
1: Uh, If you want a variety of guests and subjects, today is your day on the morning drive on Sports Talk 97.7.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, we've got a wide-ranging assortment of topics. Uh, A couple of my favorites actually being MMA. We've got some MMA to talk about today.
1: Your versatility will be put to the test today.
2: For sure. Um, so, but I think in starting off the show, when we get to the headlines, we got to start with the Saints training camp, right? Yeah. So let's start there.
1: And you know what? First day, it's nice to see just practice footage,
2: even yeah. if it's practice yeah. footage. It's nice to see the, those helmets out there, those shiny helmets.
1: Lattimore, I saw, made a nice play on a ball, had an interception. Cameron Meredith,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. 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 yeah um, Cameron Meredith, I believe, made it through the entire practice. He looks like he's going to uh-huh. be, uh... Well, through one practice, he, he could be an impact player, and maybe the number two <laughs> receiver for the Saints. We're not
2: doing that. I mean, just one practice. Trey
1: Smith, I, I think, had a long touchdown reception from had Drew Brees. A, yeah,
2: had a little bobble, but he uh, called it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it, on, on a serious note. Drew
1: Brees had an interception.
2: On a serious note, and yes. in, in reading about the practice and everything, I, you know, what, what stuck out to me is I think people went into this training camp going – talking about all the other positions, like talking about the defense, how it looks to be improved, how it wants to be a top-five defense in the league, you know, looking at these position battles all over the field. We discussed some of those yesterday. And then the big takeaway from yesterday is, oh, Drew Brees is still Drew Brees. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, Jeff Duncan actually wrote his article about that just saying, and I was watching it, it, him tweet about it, he's just like, yeah. And Gus has talked about this in the past with us saying, like, in the past, you used to always marvel about Drew Brees. said recently you start looking at other guys going, man, he's a player, he's a player. But still, you come back to that fact that Drew Brees is still one of the greats. And if he's continuing to play at that high level and if he looks as good as you know everybody's making him sound, uh, it's, that's good news for Saints fans.
1: Yeah, 13 years now at the Saints. He's entering his 18th year overall in the mm-hmm. NFL continues to look the part. We got some sound from uh, Drew Brees coming up later on. The other, of course, major storyline and how the dialogue has changed for the Saints since last year. You know, all the talk was last year. All right, seven and nine, three consecutive years. How do you get over the hump? And then, of course, the Saints come out and do what they did last year, winning the NFC South championship. And then, of course, you know, making it to the postseason for the first time in four years. Do
2: you remember how much we talked about those first four games? Man, that was like every day. These first four games are so important. Uh, we had no idea what was in store for the Saints last year, thinking back to that. That's pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, the dialogue certainly has changed. This year we're, we're, we're thinking Super Bowl, right? Not saying that uh, they've got an easy path. We, we discussed this earlier this week. The NFC is absolutely loaded. It's very difficult to get back there. But uh, Saints have a great team, one of the best teams in the NFC, so it's going to be fun to see them make that journey.
1: And at 7762 it's the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line. Go to com for a free quote. Training camp underway for the Saints. This is going to be an interesting preseason, just trying to keep track and tabs on all the different players with ties to Northeast Louisiana. Going to be busy.
2: Good luck. Yeah. Uh,
1: there was some uh, news involving one of our favorites, Kenneth Dixon. He tweaks his hamstring with the Ravens. This is an important year in Kenneth Dixon's career.
2: Yeah, uh, it's very unfortunate. You know, you're at the point where you really can't afford an injury, and a Mm -hmm. tweak like that, man, I don't want to sit here and speculate, but it's not good news.
1: Uh, He rushed for 382 yards, his uh, rookie campaign in the NFL, then, of course, had the knee injury last year, and then the uh, PED policy violation. A lot of eyeballs on Kenneth Dixon hopefully this is just a tweak and of course he can get back on the field and be an impact player for Baltimore.
2: by the way failed to mention when we're talking about the Saints Tom Savage came off the field and did not return Michael Thomas actually came off the field too but he did return. Uh, Savage still don't know you know what what the status is there but uh, obviously heal and, and Barrett were getting more reps with Savage off the field.
1: I continue to see these comparisons there was another article about Boston Scott continues to get a lot of love from a Louisiana Tech standout, sixth-round draft pick by New Orleans. You know, we love Boston Scott. We had him on the show. He's been fun to cover. But all these comparisons, Jake, to Darren Sproles, are they fair, first of all, to Boston Scott? And then second of all, are they really fair to Darren Sproles? No, but... Just because some guy has a body size and a body type, all of a sudden you say, oh, we got to compare him to just literally one of the most versatile... Running backs that we've watched I don't, in the NFL. I don't in the last know why.
2: Okay, okay, I don't know why the comparisons are still there, um, but when it's draft day, usually when someone's selected, when it's someone like Boston Scott who the nation really doesn't know about, yeah. um, you have even a lot of Saints fans don't know about. You have to find a player that fits his mold, that fits his playing style. You're not saying, and, and I and I hate because people are always like, How, why are you comparing uh, Baker to? To Brett Favre or whoever. Drew Brees, yeah. Drew Brees yeah. yeah. Why are you comparing Baker to Drew Brees? They're the same size? They're the same size. They move well in the pocket. They do some things similarly. So not I, saying, I made the
1: argument, so if I drop a few pounds, I would be, have the same body no, type as a Boston you're not Scott. up
2: for the NFL draft. You didn't just get selected. We're trying to let people know that, hey, he looks like this guy. Mm-hmm. Hey, he plays a little bit like this guy. Mm-hmm. We're not saying he's as good as this guy. We're saying that this guy is the ceiling, okay? That's what it is. If he can be a Darren Sproles 2.0, he will have a very successful career. Yeah,
1: that ceiling is the cathedral.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I, for the NFL draft, it makes sense. Continuing to do that, I don't know why people are continuing to make those comparisons.
1: NFL training camps are underway. We certainly look forward to seeing more practice footage coming up later today. Other headlines on this Friday morning.
2: Boy, we've got a lot. Um, yeah, I'll go ahead and go with Connor. Uh, yesterday, Conor McGregor uh, pled guilty, and so he avoids jail time and got a, basically a slap on the wrist. He's already fulfilled his community service, and he has to take an anger management course. But uh, this means that he— Anger management course with yeah. Conor McGregor. Yeah.
1: I want to be in, in that
2: class. Right, right. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much a joke, but uh, the I think the hearing was like six minutes long total. Anyway.
1: So all that hoopla about this video and, of course, throwing the trash cans and all that.
2: And, yeah, the dolly and everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's still. I'm sorry, I forgot the dolly. He's still facing um, lawsuits from a couple of the fighters that were affected by that. But this clears him to fight. Now you can start looking at it and saying, okay, when is he going to fight Khabib? Now we're going to off for the lightweight championship. And, Aaron, that fight, the the, the date they want is October 6th and that fight is going to be the biggest fight they could ever put on hmm. because I've, they've never gone over two million buys, the UFC. I think that's their first $2 million pay-per-view just because Conor's become so huge, and Khabib has a big following also. And so you, now you get champion versus champion. Uh, it's going to be fun.
1: That and did they, not take long for that whole hoopla to blow over.
2: It didn't. And it also – Remember the whole
1: thing, oh, he's going to face jail time. Well, he
2: should have, <laughs> but he's Connor McGregor um and he was seriously facing that but you know he, he took the right steps and cooperated and at the end of the day he makes he makes them money so he promises not to throw any more dollies or <laughs> yeah. garbage cans yeah. and he's
1: going to go to a class
2: yeah so anyway <laughs> slap on the Connor, wrist
1: Connor, you need to work on your anger
2: <laughs> so uh, Khabib, his response to this was send me location mm. that's all i said send me location I love it. I'm looking forward to that fight. But what's what's bad about this, and we'll have Tim Crater on later in the show to talk about his fighter, Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier is fighting Eddie Alvarez tomorrow night on Fox. This is a huge fight. The winner of this has the right for number one contender for the belt. Now with this Connor news, the winner is getting leapfrogged. The winner is no way fighting for the title because Connor and Khabib will now fight. Mm. So that's unfortunate for Dustin Poirier.
1: Other headlines are slugging it out at the Cotton States out at Bayida Seared. Match play is getting ready to get underway as uh, now 32 college golfers mixing in a few others will go for the uh, championship. It'll play out through Sunday. A couple of uh, area tie-ins, of course, the two kids. They're going to ULM from South Africa, still in the hunts, part of the 32. Former Aaron's ace and West Monroe standout Joey Kirkland also makes the cut. A number of other guys did not make the cut. We were certainly rooting for uh, Bob Cooper and Stan Humphreys. They are not in the field of 32. A little tough, though, when you're playing with the youngsters. And, of course, uh, they move the tees back quite a ways for the out there by this year.
2: Of course, Quint weighs in. He says the conclusion of the Connor case just proves this was a great ad campaign by the UFC. Mm-hmm. I disagree. I think their 2018 numbers suggest otherwise. Mm-hmm. They have been hurting. They've been really missing Connor.
1: Let's get to a couple baseball updates before we get to some odds and ends our Houston Astros update. As we are your home for the Houston Astros, uh, they had last night off. Now they get ready to host the Rangers. Uh, they have a five-game lead. The Astros do over Seattle in that division. They have a 67 wins on the year. Texas is in the basement with a 42-62 and 62 record. Houston is 3-2 and two since the All-Star break. The biggest news we figured by now we would have heard a suspension for Alex Bregman, but so far
2: still in the clear. I think he's going to make it, right? Yeah, isn't that crazy. Yeah. Are we are we off in thinking that? And cuz I haven't really seen anybody talking about that either, you know, expecting a suspension, but
1: I man, guess you can just go out there I, and I rip. guess.
2: I mean, it's not like like that in other what sports. What
1: happens to you? yeah, if in the NBA or the NFL? Oh man. basically said Immediate. that guy's never watched or played a football game in his life. Yeah, you can um, get away with that. At
2: least a fine, yeah. something, right?
1: And then dropping in some uh, f bombs in it.
2: Some, yeah. It was like nothing but f bombs.
1: So it looks like Bregman's gonna—he's off the hook.
2: He's off the hook. Well, good for Bregman. Uh,
1: Aaron Judge, a uh, chip fractured, a uh, chip fractured wrist. Expected to be out three weeks.
2: Yeah, Aaron. Um, <laughs> What? Three spots, yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Only one of the premier players in the game out for three weeks. If this happened in the NFL, we'd talk about it for 15 minutes. That's
2: true. I'm sorry, baseball. I'm sorry. (laughs) Devastating news for the Yankees. Is that better? Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, On to football, though. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned football. So, Aaron, Bill Belichick. Does he have to address this Malcolm Butler situation? I know, you know. That's old news. Move forward. Right, right. Next question. Mm. But, and really, he only has to address it to his players. That yeah. said, don't the fans deserve something? No. The fans deserve <laughs> nothing. Well, someone had the guts. I like this reporter. Had the guts to ask He's Bill a Belichick. Pit bull about Malcolm Butler, and this is what he had to say. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask about last year. Yeah, last year
3: is last year. I'm not focused on last year.
2: What about the
0: fact that everywhere we go, folks want to ask about Malcolm Butler? I mean, sports coaches, players, university, you're a sports fan. we talked good. about that That's multiple months ago. Is there going to be any more explanation about why he might focus on training camp? Do you do it any differently? Training camp? Well, we're, no. s-
2: we're getting started. We're working on that right now. We'll do the best we can. And, and does it matter to you? Do you care if the fans want to know more about this? I'm focused on doing the best that I can for the 2018 New England Patriots. That's my job. That's what I'm going to do. And That's four, what I've always done in the past. Right. Every day that I've coached here, I've done the best that I could for this football team, and I'll continue to do that. And right now, my focus is on the
1: 2018 season. Uh, 2017, not 2014, not 2007, not 2004, not 2001, not 2000. I'm not focused on any of those seasons. They're done. And for this season, for this season's team, is it important
2: for you to address the knock-and-bucket thing with your team? It's important for me to have a good season in 2018. I'm going to do everything I can to do, that. I'll do the best that I can for our football team. That's my job, and that's my responsibility. That's what I'm going to try to do.
1: Whoever that reporter is buy him a beer. Yeah. Cuz he just gave good material, of course, for everybody sitting in the room. That quote that I don't care about 2017 14, 06, 01, 96.
2: Also, urban take notes. Yeah, that's this great. is how you don't answer anything. Yeah, I know.
1: With that, I'd be so frustrated if I was sitting in there. Oh, <laughs> but, absolutely. But listen,
2: but I, it's funny for us.
1: <laughs> I like how he started the whole conversation. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask.
2: Yeah, because he's like, look, I know you don't want to hear this question. It's kind of, you know, you, you face Belichick like you face Saban. You dread those questions.
1: The other thing is, you being a newspaper guy, how many still photos do you need of <laughs> Bill Belichick <laughs> at sitting the at the podium?
2: Does that capture the moment? I, I don't know. I'm not ai am not a photographer, obviously. Could you hear all that in the background? <laughs> Absolutely. Constantly. Um Oh,
1: he captured the moment. I here. think they were waiting on him
2: to explode. <laughs> yes, <it ain't> gonna. <laughs> Didn't happen though. It's
1: the stoic face. That's all you're gonna get. Mm-hmm.
2: But yeah, I just think it's an interesting conversation, though, because I do feel like he, the fans, don't deserve an answer. Like, like the fans, he doesn't owe the fans an answer. But part of me is like, the, the fans deserve something, right? A little something, mm-hmm. a little explanation. Am I wrong in thinking that?
1: Especially because they've – well, I guess if he was still on the roster, then there would ha- then they'd have to kind of soothe things over. But now you've cut ties, so just move on.
2: I'll tell you this. It, it reminds me of LSU in 2011. You remember yeah. the national championship game? Why I'm did sure. Jordan Jefferson yeah. stay in the game? Lee that played. haunted fans. It still haunts fans. Y- you can still have – in-depth conversations about that still never really got a true answer on that so just saying like that could really haunt a fan base
1: i caught uh, zach rickens a uh, weekend uh, sports anchor earlier this week he was going back and looking at footage and i looked over there and he was literally re-watching the highlights from alabama lsu national championship game and i said what are you doing are you trying to punish yourself are you that <laughs> bored there's things to do He's like, you know, he grew up in Pennsylvania, big Penn State fan, so he didn't remember a lot about the game. And I said, well, quite frankly, there wasn't a lot to remember.
2: (laughs) Just know that LSU didn't cross the field. And he's
1: like, I don't remember this Jordan Jefferson guy. I said, well, be (laughs) glad of that.
2: (laughs) The most infamous player, probably in LSU history. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, Sherman says nothing good would have come out if he would have gave a different answer in reference to Bill Belichick.
2: And that's true. I agree with that. Um, He handled it. Well, I'm just thinking of it from a fan's perspective, how frustrating it is for a fan base to not get those answers.
1: There are a few headlines. we got more coming up. You can join us at 888-993-7762. It's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Pain Care. All right, I know you want to talk NBA, even though the football season is getting ready to kick off.
2: Well, hold on, hold on. we got a few texts to, to go through first. Ben says he probably got fined talking about Bregman. MLB issues fines all the time, and it's never mentioned. If a player throws his helmet after a strikeout, he gets fined. Nice for them not to publicize it, I guess. Uh, Daryl says, Jim Moore is at the top of my list for interviews after a bad season. I agree with that. Very colorful. And Quint says, would you ask Saban if the quarterback change hadn't worked out for a championship win? Yeah, but, but I think that's different, too, because he has to address that, right? Like, he has to explain why he made that move. A lot of people say, well, why doesn't Belichick have to? Well, this came in the middle of the game, and a quarterback position is the, uh, I guess, most notable position, most popular position. Um, So, I don't know. I I think that one's kind of unavoidable.
1: You want to get into Kevin Durant now calling out the media for his problems.
2: (sighs) Kevin Durant. Look, just when I start to kind of start liking the guy, he then – goes back and he's just too sensitive he's way too sensitive but i'll read this quote so we, we went through what happened yesterday with with he and, and cj mccollum uh, s- some hilarious banter back and forth he went on cj mccollum's podcast saying laughing at him laughing on uh, you know cl- clowning him on his own podcast saying why are you mad about cousins coming here you know you didn't have a, ch- a chance to win the championship anyway essentially what he said then after the fact um uh, CJ tweets about him saying, um, don't call him the B-word, but he made a soft move, yada, yada, yada. So they go back and forth. So the
1: media is now making uh, Durant to be crazy.
2: Well, (laughs) is it a stretch? This is what Durant says. I mean, it is just to the point that I know what you're upset at. Just say it instead of making excuses. Know what I'm saying? I got too many texts or I talk too much on Instagram or I talk too much on Twitter or I don't know how to talk to my teammates or I'm angry or insecure or sensitive. Tell me what the real problem is, because every time I say something, I go about my business. And when I say something, House of Highlights and bleach Report mash it all up and y'all run with it. And as soon as I say something back, I'm the sensitive one. I mean, I know y'all trying to make me look crazy and discredit me and strip me of my credibility. But I see what you're doing, I'm. But I'm going uh, to still keep standing. Like, it's it's insane. First sometimes. of all, I don't
1: know what I enjoy better: <laughs> listening to you read a quote or Kramer reading a quote.
2: Look, I I try to do it justice, but then when they start <laughs> when they start skipping words, it's hard for me to continue and in, in flow. Um, s- some of these athletes like to take shortcuts. What is House of Highlights? You never heard of House of Highlights?
1: It's nice for them in the bleacher report, though, getting a little play. Sure. um, Negative press is good press, right?
2: Yeah, (laughs) it is. But listen, he just said it right there. He said, I'm insecure or sensitive. Yes, you are. You are both of those things. I don't know why. You're one of the best players in the world. You shouldn't care what anybody says. And if you do keep your mouth shut, people will have less things to say about you. Don't go on these podcasts. The podcast, I don't mind. Be
1: on a beach somewhere, enjoying your off season.
2: The the podcast, and even the response to to McCollum's fine, but it's stuff. It's this. It's these quotes right here that drive me crazy. Yeah. Like I don't care. Like that stuff's fun. Okay, you're showing your personality a little bit. You're competitive. I get it. That's fine. You're a human being. But then when you're like, w- "Why am I the villain?" Blah blah blah. Why are y'all picking on me? That's when I'm just like, Kevin. Like, who cares? You're one of the best players in the world. You're two time Finals MVP, man doesn't matter. Mm. <laughs> anyway, that's why I, I, I kind of turned on him when he was with the Thunder because he started acting like this. And then, you know, when you do hear him actually have an NBA, real NBA conversations with other players, I find that so interesting. I think he's so much more interesting when he does that. But then he comes back with these quotes. I think it would
1: be a good segment or at least a, a portion of the show. I'll just find the best quote of the day, the quote of the day, and then have Jake reread it?
2: it. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. We'll work on that.
2: Well, sometimes I don't have the enthusiasm either. <laughs> well done, man. So, all right, uh, so let's stick with the NBA because I thought this was a, a pretty cool um, I look. wanted
1: First, I wanted to get into this uh, yesterday. So LeBron James has a son, but he goes by the name of Bronny. And he's uh, 13 and under, and so he's supposed to play in a, a Vegas All-Star game, and this was a highly anticipated game or a tournament. Hey. The most highly anticipated. I, I want to read the leading because when I saw it, I was like, oh, brother. <laughs> uh, it's going to be one of the uh, – here it is. It was almost certainly the most anticipated 13-under game in the history of Las Vegas Summer Basketball. In uh,
2: history.
1: I think they were charging $15 a head to oh, get in. Oh,
2: hold up now.
1: They sell the place out. The game hadn't started yet. And then, of course, a little brouhaha, a scuffle breaks out between adults before the game. So what happens? They have to scrap the game, and everybody gets their 15 bucks back. And LeBron has to leave the gym.
2: Yeah. But I think that happened after this little clip uh, that they recorded. Now, of course you know about the shop, right, Aaron, because of the whole Alabama situation that that happened a couple months ago. But uh, this is a a part of LeBron James' show, the shop. This is a clip. I thought it was interesting just because you rarely see LeBron talk so openly about his life and about his kids, and I found this to be really, really uh, engaging.
4: LeBron, this is your – Obviously, third time changing teams. Is that a reinvigorating thing? I told you last summer what, what really got me back going is uh, what helps is my kids playing. Mm. That's interesting. Watching my boys play ball, like, last year was the first, like, I, had, I really had some time to go watch them play in the summer. Like, really sat down, went to, like, four or five tournaments, and I'm sitting there, and I'm watching the game, and I feel my hands just start sweating. I feel like my chest starts sweating. I'm like, hey, these is thirteen or ten year olds out here hooping. Why are you feeling like this? Then it went from like just sitting there, and then it went from like to this, like let's go. And then it went from me sitting on the bench <laughs> to me getting an argument. I got an argument. You the I got. You. It. You got it. Nigga, you
1: turned into the crazy. First of all, I didn't get. I didn't. I didn't
4: get to an argument. With an AU dad, I got an argument with an AU mom. What? What? A mother? With a mother. God have mercy. And you don't know the first person I apologized to was my mom that was sitting right here. And the reason I apologized to my mom because I used to get on my mom so much oh yes when I was a kid, and she used to go crazy at my AU game. I used to be like, Mom, chill out, Mom, I don't want this. And I went crazy about my kids, and I was like, You felt her pain. I was like, Mom. You did. The I'm same, sorry. Same, the I'm sorry.
0: What do you say to your kid, though, like living up to you being their dad? And they're playing the same sport that you played better than anyone else in the world has ever played it. How do you give them a peace of mind that they don't have to be you?
4: I still regret giving my 14 year old my name because of that. Right. Like when I was younger, obviously, we I ha- didn't have a dad. So. My whole thing I was like, whenever I have a kid, not only is it going to be a junior, I'm going to do everything that this man didn't do. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're going to experience things that I didn't experience. The only thing I can do is give them the blueprint, and it's up to them to take their own course whenever that time happens. Good
1: around. stuff there from LeBron.
2: Yeah, even as a LeBron hater, Aaron, you yeah. got to say that that's pretty uh-huh. good. And uh, John
1: Stewart asking better questions than Jim Gray. Who yeah. It?
2: <laughs> right. Of course, you're referencing this the decision. No, I'm referencing anything Jim Gray does. No. But John Stewart, that's good. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward. This show is actually going to be on HBO, yeah. so I'm looking forward to, to seeing it. I, I I like getting that inside peek yeah. of how they feel about things. I mean, these are real people.
1: Yeah. 888-993-7762. Coming up next, we'll continue to talk a little uh, college and NFL. The Morning Drive returns. After- we missed the LHSA Media Day yesterday. Yeah, yeah man. Is this the first annual?
2: Yeah. yeah first of all.
1: Wouldn't be first just, annual, would no it? There's no
2: such thing as first annual. It was the first one.
1: What do you get if you
2: go to the LHSA Media Day? I don't know. You think you get a t-shirt? I'd take a media guide at some point. You would take a t-shirt, all the shirts I see you wear. A
1: t-shirt with the Bonine on the back.
2: <laughs> a jersey. Just bow nine's head on the on the. His face on the on front of your shirt. I would like that. Uh, collector's edition. Hey, when's he coming on the show, by the way? <laughs> Did we miss it? Was he on the Yeah, I was really for uh, that.
1: Man, don't
2: do that to me, man. What? You said, I promise I'll get him on. We, be, I thought we wagered something, too.
1: He'd be great to have on before the beginning of the high school football season.
2: It, yeah. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath. All right.
1: I'm going to be after that again today. <laughs>
2: Good luck. You could have called him at media days. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's why you should have went down there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dropping the ball.
1: How many people would be at the LHSA
2: media day? Five.
1: Robin Fanbrough.
2: Robin for sure. <laughs> you know Robin's going to be there. Uh, I don't know. Um, I was wondering, like, are they going to have some teams there, or is it just <laughs> Bo Nine?
1: I don't know. We're don't talking we're way gonna, too long about this. Know. Nobody cares. I, I, yeah, I was just fascinated. That there was actually a media day for the LHS. Yeah, it'll grow into a huge event. Yes, no for doubt. Sure. They're going to probably have to move locations.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, what else? College football, news I, and notes.
2: Yeah. Okay. I thought we were going NFL, but I will. Yeah. College football. So I'm sure you heard by now the Florida Gator situation, mm. Dan Mullen uh, inheriting a messy. Messy situation. So six players were being fools. Um, they're facing a possible suspension for a May confrontation that involved airsoft guns,
1: mm-hmm.
2: rocks, mm-hmm. and a frying pan. Mm. Yeah, not your everyday story. But uh, Kadarius Tony and, and uh, Kyrie Campbell, two of those players that were involved, they were allegedly pointing airsoft assault rifles and at the time, people who who saw this and and, and gave quotes to, to to the police officers involved, they they thought it was an actual assault rifle, so it was, a, it was much more serious at the time. Now it's been deemed to be airsoft guns, uh, but still a uh, very murky situation. We don't know if they'll be suspended or not. Not the type. This is the off season, man. These are the type of things you try to avoid um, for your team and. and Sometimes it's just unavoidable.
1: I like the article on uh, ESPN, uh, ranking the past best college football teams in the last 20 years. I don't. We love rankings, Jake.
2: Yes, we like correct rankings.
1: You don't like the fact that uh, Vince Young and that magnificent team in 2005 that supposedly beat the best team ever in college football, USC, leading into that game. They have ranked as number one.
2: Well, first of all, I still don't think that USC team is the best team ever.
1: You remember the hype and, of course, everything going into that game and everybody saying, well, this USC USC team could play with teams in the NFL.
2: Yeah, that was ridiculous. But they were a very good team. I'm not taking anything away from them. But where did they have success in the Pac-12 or Mm -hmm. or then the Pac-10? So that was always my argument. Of course, because at the time, LSU and USC were both trying to figure out who the real 2003 national champion was. I always thought the SEC was much more difficult. So I, I thought, you know, just I thought they had an easier path. Now that said, I still give them credit. They still had one of the, one of the all-time great teams. No doubt about it. That said, do you think they're better than Miami? you think they're better than that 2001 Miami team? That 2001 Miami team had 17 draft picks. <laughs> And you're talking about a who's who. You go down that list. Vilma, Reed, Buchanan. A who's who, Aaron. So, and, and by the way, you can make the argument that they were hosed in that championship game the following year.
1: Uh, Gore and McGehee were uh, backups to uh, Porters in the backfield. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that team was insane. And, you know, so... so I look at that team, and I'm just like, how is this team not number one? And let alone, they're number three on this list. The 2008 Florida Gators team is number two, and I felt that 2008 team was good, but I don't put them at number two, Aaron. I mean, think about the players that, like, fell off. Players like Percy Harvin, who, you know, he was always one of those guys that never really met his potential because he's always had those injury concerns. Chris Rainey, Jeff Demps, I mean, they were fun backs to watch, but, you know, they were smaller backs. They were the Darren Sproles type backs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lewis Murphy, Aaron Hernandez, of course, we know how that story ended. But this list goes all the way back to when the BCS um, started. So it goes back 20 years, um, or 21 years, sorry. So, anyway, you go through this list, and number four, Florida State, the 2013 team. Did you think that was an all-time team? Mm. I didn't. And then at five, 2004, USC. So, the top five doesn't include any Alabama team. Mm. That's another glaring uh, takeaway. Who would you take if, out of those five? You uh, had to Texas.
1: Then pick- Texas gets the big bump, too, just because how great that game was. You can't. Okay. Well, a national championship game, and then at the time we That knew- means
2: nothing about a team's greatness, though, right? I mean, what, shouldn't a blowout be more important? And I get who they beat. They beat the USC team that everyone, mm-hmm. the media was in love with. That said, you would take Texas over all four of those teams I just mentioned. I think so. Oh, give me 2001 Miami. Mm-hmm. Give me 2001
1: Miami. Uh, you mentioned it. No respect for Alabama. The highest-ranked uh, tied team that they have is the 2011 squad, they have it coming in as number six overall.
2: Yeah, that of course was the team we just talked about, the team that beat LSU twenty-one to nothing in the national championship game. Mm-hmm.
1: Tabe says, uh, "Give me the uh Tabe, you like the ninety-five Nebraska squad? I don't think this thing goes back that far, but uh, you certainly it, if, we're, if
2: we're talking within our lifetime, yes.
1: BCS era. Gotta go with Jayco one Miami.
2: Yeah, and then you got to go pretty far down the list to find the two LSU teams. The 2003 LSU team is at 17. Uh, of course, that was Nick Saban's first national championship. And Bill
1: says you're just mad, Jake. Uh, you're such an SEC homer.
2: Yeah, I'm so mad because I like Miami, the SEC team. Uh, number 19 is 2007 LSU, which I thought they would be dead last. Like, this list, I have issues. The LSU, that 07 LSU team should technically be last. They have two losses. Mm. I know they both came in, in double overtime, or in overtime, but still, man, two losses. And at 8,
1: 8, 8, 9, 9, 7, 7, you can weigh in on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead
2: Insurance Hotline. Slash one more thing, one more thing. The last team on this list is the 2002 Ohio State team. If you're going to make the argument that Texas should be number one because they took down the dynasty team in USC, or a team that was trying to build a dynasty – Say the same thing about this Ohio State team who took down Miami. Mm. That Miami team was invincible back in the day. Is that te- the Claret team in 2002? Yeah. yeah, they're the last team on this list. Mm. Now, they did win in controversy, but still. Yes.
1: As for the Saints, of course, uh, day two of training camp continues. Some big expectations for New Orleans this year. Uh, they're the darling right now of the NFC, wouldn't you say? Or one of the darlings? Uh, one of them. The tone has certainly changed for this franchise over the course of the last year. Uh, The influx of young talent and of course what the Saints accomplished on the field last year has a lot to do with it. Of course there's one mainstay and he goes by the name of Drew Brees. Yesterday he was asked about the approach going into this year and how it's a little bit different from last year when they were coming out consecutive three consecutive seven and nine seasons.
0: You still take the same approach. I think that there's there's probably more challenges with higher expectations. I think everyone loves the underdog mentality. You know, it's easy to get motivated with the underdog mentality, but um, it's, it's a little bit harder to maintain that level of focus and concentration when, you know, you're supposed to be, right? Or you're expected to be, you know, so, but, 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 but then again, if we wanna be a great team, um, we have to be able to embrace that. And we have to get the best out of ourselves by expecting it out of ourselves and not worrying about what other people expect of us. It's really about what we expect um, of ourselves and each other. So that's my approach.
3: Drew, did you learn anything about
2: how to approach that in years where it didn't work out? 2014 comes to mind where I feel like there was a
0: lot of similar talk. Well, similar talk and yet completely different locker room, completely different circumstances. You know, if you recall, we had the success in 13. Um, where we felt like, hey, we we had a team that was good enough to and lose to Seattle, and they go on and, and win the championship. You know, so we felt like we were, um, we were there and, and and ready to take the next step. And yet, you know, that off season, if you recall, we lost five, you know, pretty incredible leaders and and, and highly productive players out of the locker room, um, on both sides of the ball. And and it just, it changed it changed the culture a little bit. You know, it changed the dynamics a little bit. And. Looking back on it, we realized that at the time we felt like, ah, uh, you know, we're young, we're talented, guys are ready to step up, and, and unfortunately, that just wasn't the case. I think differently this year is that yes, we're coming off a successful season last year, as far as you know, getting close to and, and feeling like we were there to accomplish what what we had set our, our goals towards. But um, but I'd say the difference is we've actually gone out and aqu- we haven't lost veteran guys. We've gone out and acquired some more veteran leadership and some guys that are, are great in the locker room and great leaders. And we've got these this young talent that is is continuing to develop. And I think you, you, you're you always looking forward to seeing that jump from year one to year two for certain guys and year two to year three for, for other guys. But it is about making sure that you have the cultural foundation, which we did not have back in 14, I feel like we have this year. But we have to continue to cultivate it.
1: Drew Brees, of course. The thing that I, I like the, yeah. There's several takeaways from that, but you notice how everybody first day of practice, they're excited to talk to the media. It's been probably a few months. Sean Payton was actually in a pretty friendly mood with the pesky press. How that tone will change here in a couple of weeks? Oh, heck, in sure. a couple of days.
2: Yeah, yeah. It won't take long. I assure you that. Yes.
1: Uh, it is good though, just to hear the, the different mentality and of course the the way the Saints are going to approach this year. It'll be a little bit different than it has been in years past. But certainly, as we've seen in the NFL, things can change quickly.
2: Yeah, and you did say that you view them as one of the darlings of the the NFL. I I, I agree with that just because I think a lot of people love Drew Brees. And I'm not just talking about Saints fans. I think a lot of people have an appreciation for the way Drew Brees carries himself. And for, of course, his greatness on the field.
1: And the fact that you have one of the most dynamic running backs in the game now in Alvin Kamara. Yeah. Everybody wants to see, can he avoid the sophomore slump?
2: What's he going to do next? Absolutely.
1: How fired up are you for the next segment? I'm really fired
2: up. We've got uh, crazy Tim Crater coming up, former UFC fighter, trainer to Dustin Poirier. He's going to break down Dustin's huge rematch against Eddie Alvarez on Fox with title implications on the line. We're going to pick his brain about the big
1: fight. And then coming up at 8 o'clock, the Dixie Majors World Series getting ready to get underway out at Sterlington. Monroe Majors All-Star Coach Jay Culver will join us at the top of the hour. The Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7 returns after this. Welcome back to the show. Congratulations. We made it. It is Friday. Plenty to discuss over the next hour and 15 minutes. Phone line, text line actually open right now at 888-993-7762. Hit us up with a question or a comment.
2: Aaron, in 2017, Dustin Poirier and Eddie Alvarez were on their way to having an instant classic before an Alvarez knee to a grounded opponent led to a no contest. Now they get to run it back with title implications on the line live on Fox tomorrow night. Who better to talk to it about than the guy who brought Dustin Poirier up? It's Crazy Tim Crater. Crazy Tim, how we doing?
3: What's up, guys? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me.
2: Oh, we're so happy to have you. Man, I want to know how nervous do you get when you watch Dustin fight? Is it worse than when you actually fought? Because I do hear that a lot—that it's harder to watch other guys fight.
3: Oh, it's the worst ever, dude! I can't even. I'm, I'm literally having a nervous breakdown. It's terrible. I can't do. I mean, it's the worst experience of my life. <laughs> it's that's, horrible. That's I, I don't even. I don't even like watching the fights around regular people because. uh I'm a different kind of guy. And, uh, you know, when I go, like, I don't mind, like, we go watch regular fights. I usually don't watch, like, uh, you know, I watch fights differently than normal people. Um, I'm a, uh, you know, this is what I do. This is my my work. It's my passion. But um, I watch a lot of fights. And, uh, you know, I probably watch 20, 25 hours of fights. And jiu-jitsu matches a week so a lot of people when i'm watching the fights for work when i'm analyzing as a coach i don't watch all the fanfare between the fights i just fast forward straight to the fight and i consume the fight and uh take some notes and then i rewind the fight and i watch it round by round so i watch it more analytically than uh maybe a fan would watch them uh but when Dustin or 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 a friend like that is fighting, uh, I can't even watch. Like I can't go somewhere and watch him, You know, like let's go hang out and watch. No way, can't do it. People are gonna, somebody's gonna say something stupid, and I'm gonna freak out. Like, oh, I can't, sure. I can't do it. Man. Yeah, Again, but uh, uh, I watch fights differently than normal people. Uh, but when Dustin's fighting, I do the whole fanfare thing. But not not uh, not usually.
2: So I'm sure you've watched the first fight. Uh, on repeat, can you walk us through that first fight and Kind of detail how, how that fight was going because Dustin of course had success early and then Eddie as he typically does kind of rebounded and, and uh, actually clipped Dustin and Was in a favorable position before the illegal knee. Who do you think has the mental edge entering this fight?
3: Well, I think uh, You know Dustin learned a lot of great things for me Um but there are some habits that Dustin got from me that, you know, aren't the best. And one of those is um, all the guys that come out of Gladiators, we're ultra-aggressive, and we, uh, we are fighter-fighters. So what I mean by that is, you know, I heard, recently heard a podcast with Joe Rogan, uh, and it was uh, um, Saint-Pierre. And St. Pierre was saying he loves his job and he loves what he does, but he hates the actual fighting, like the day of the fight. Like he he hates it. It makes him so nervous. And even when the fight starts, he just wants to get out of there. And, uh, you know, (laughs) I understand that. You know, I do. Like I've I've seen that in other people. But uh, that's not the case for me. Like I love to actually fight. Like I don't. That is the whole reason that I did fighting was because I like to get in fights. St. Pierre was saying that he enjoys the lifestyle and, you know, it's just a couple days a year he has to do this thing. Me and Dustin like fighting. You understand? So there's a different kind of mentality between guys like a GSP who's a great athlete and who trains really hard and can be good at something but doesn't necessarily actually love it. Dustin loves to fight you. He wants to punch you in your face. And he kind of likes that, too. And uh, so do I. And a lot of our team, like, we're fighter fighters. But sometimes that can get the best of you, right? Sometimes it takes away the um, analytical approach in the heat of the moment. And I feel like in the fight, Dustin's hands were just a little bit better than Eddie's. They're a little faster. If you notice when Eddie fights, he has kind of that Philly bomber style. So he rotates his shoulders and he throws big bombs and outside hooks. And Dustin has a very quick jab and a good right hook. And that's what he was catching Eddie with, like really clipping him with quick punches, straight punches. But when Dustin gets a little excited into the fight, right, uh, it starts to turn into uh, you know Mardi Gras in Iraq, and he just starts throwing bombs <laughs> and Unfortunately, his love for fighting, which I have that too, sometimes overwhelms his better judgment as a technically based mixed martial arts fighter, and which you know we 've all trained very hard to overcome our emotional love with fighting and getting in a fight and, you know, gear that back and make better decisions in the fight that are not so emotionally charged and more analytical and more based around the movements and behaviors of our opponent. Not so much. I just want to clean this guy's clock, but the point in the fight where Eddie Alvarez clipped Dustin, uh, You know, Dustin a little bit lost control. And he had had such success, landed punches early in the fight, that he let his guard down a little bit and really kind of opened up on Eddie and forgot that Eddie Alvarez is a former world champion and (laughs) very dangerous hand cannon thrower as well. And, uh, you know, was quickly reminded of that and and that can happen when you're fighting Eddie Alvarez cuz Eddie Alvarez is what we call a sleeper. You can beat him up for 3 rounds and then all of a sudden, you know, he'll come back and land something and the fight's over. Happened to Justin Gagey who, you know, ripped Eddie Alvarez's legs to pieces. It looked like Eddie Alvarez was going to have to start taking one of those uh electronic carts around Walmart in the middle of that fight. He looked crippled. But you know, all of a sudden comes back and lands a big knee and knocks a guy out. He's a sleeper like that. So when Dustin is in Lafayette, Dustin and I train together, and we've talked a lot and we've analyzed the fight. We've watched it too many times probably. But realistically, the problem was Dustin just got a little emotional. He got a little excited, and he got a little over-anxious to finish a guy who he knew was a world champion and was going to, you know, Elevate his career, and I don't believe that's going to happen this time if Dustin stays clean and technical and long and Brutal um, He's going to beat up Eddie Alvarez
2: I'm talking about the main event on Fox with crazy Tim Crater Dustin Poirier versus Eddie Alvarez Tim, I'm glad you mentioned the, the emotional aspect of it because you know this was back in 2017 and Dustin's most recent fight against Justin Gaethje which I believe it was also on Fox. I yeah. saw him be a little bit more patient. Yeah, Did you absolutely. see that in that fight? You you thought he was meticulous oh, yeah. in his shots. No, 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 no,
3: no. Listen, this is something where we work. This is something we work on. Dustin and I are a lot alike. We're both very emotional fighters, very emotional people. Um, and uh you know, people don't understand really the the uh the environment of being inside that fight, fighting, you know, I wouldn't say it's necessarily for your life, but, but, you know, definitely fighting for your consciousness and your kids' private school education possibly. And, uh, you know, it does get a little emotional in there, especially for somebody who is a little emotionally charged from the beginning. And Dustin and I are both that. But, you know, that's what's beautiful about MMA you know and jujitsu is uh, you know you you can tell whatever stories you want and you can say whatever you want you can in real life you can you can talk whatever talk you want but the truth about what we do is it reveals the truth and and you can't hide from it you can't run from it and you, you, you can't uh, you can't neglect it and so one of those truths for Dustin is that he is an emotional fighter, and he fights from his heart. You can tell after every one of his fights when he talks, he gets, gets all emotional. And uh, it's because we're emotional fighters. And that can be a great thing. You know, It can be. It charges us to train the way we train. It charges us to push the way we push. It charges us to endear ourselves to fans the way that we do. But it can also... Um, expose us to um, dangers in fights, and so learning to be controlled of that and, and and use it at the right moments and and not at the right is is a is a practice that takes a lifetime in the sport to perfect. And uh, so, you know he he's getting better every fight. He's getting better. We saw him better in the Gaezhi fight. Uh, uh, an example of him completely losing control of that was uh, in the Michael Johnson fight. You know, he just, he thought he was so much better than this guy and he went out there throwing molly whoppers and got caught early, you know. And so I don't think we're ever going to see that Dustin again. Um, You know, since he's moved back to Lafayette and he's been training with his friends and being around family and being around friends again and then going out to ATT for, you know, six or eight weeks before a fight. He's just a completely renewed guy, you know. Uh, he was missing a lot of that living in Florida, and uh, I just see this being really the the lead up to Dustin becoming a world champion.
2: Final question for you: How does Dustin win this fight?
3: Uh, Cowboys parking lot beatdown. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we have a we have a very tough. Uh, club kind of on the outskirts of Lafayette called Cowboys and it's usually open till two or three o'clock at night and if you go there <laughs> you better you better you better be ready and so <laughs> I just think you know I, I feel like both of these guys man look I have a lot of respect for Eddie Alvarez and his whole camp I've recently had a friend of his time to blast down at my school and me and Ricardo Almeida his jiu-jitsu coach we go back 15 years And uh, Mark Henry, his coach, is just one of the best that MMA has ever seen in terms of a striking coach. He's just unbelievable. And so, you know, I have a ton of respect for all of these guys. And uh, I I think Eddie Alvarez is is a fighter's fighter. He's a fighter that I like to watch, and he's a great fighter and all that stuff. But you can bring all the coaches you want. You can bring whatever fighter you want. And I love all those guys. But Dustin's at the place in his career where he will not be denied. And I don't give a – I don't care what you did in your training camp or what kind of apparatuses you used or if you brought Superman in as a training partner or Tony Star. I don't care. (laughs) Dustin's at a place in his career where he's not going to be denied anymore. You know, he has risen to the mountain peak a number of times and been knocked off. And he's at a place as a fighter where it doesn't really matter who you put across from him. And it doesn't really matter what they're going to bring to the table. The thing about Dustin is he's adaptable. He can take you down and beat you up. He can submit you. He can beat you up on the feet. And Eddie Alvarez is going to get his issue this second time around. And then we're going to move on and we're going to go beat whoever it is. Khabib, McGregor, whoever the hell it is is the champ, doesn't matter. We're going to go beat them up, too, after this one. So I think Dustin wins by either ref stoppage or knockout in the second round, and we move on to the world title.
2: Wow.
0: Awesome. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.